We're kicking off a brand new series called Courage. I'm excited. What does courage mean to me? Well, courage is about persisting, right? And getting to the other side despite the odds, despite the obstacles. And that's exactly what we're talking about with all of the guests on this series. I'm so excited to share this series with you. It's specially curated. And I hope that you take something away from it, something magical, something which motivates you. And honestly, just really practical steps that you can use right now in your life to persist, to build that sense of courage in you and get to the other side, whatever the other side looks like for you. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode on Unplug with Annie. We're continuing the series of Courage and I'm so excited and so kicked that we're fortunate to have Tom Foolery as a guest. I can't wait to talk to Tom about his journey. Tom is a spoken word artist, a performer and a producer as well as a writer. He's done some tremendous work till date and he actually started his YouTube platform back in March 2020 and a few weeks later posted a brilliant poem called The Great Realization. That poem went on to have 60 million plus views and if you've not seen it you're truly missing out. It is remarkable and Everyone needs to see this. It was also featured on a New Year's Eve special tribute in London on the news. Um, we got to hear his voice, which was absolutely fantastic. I'm so excited to hear about his journey. He was born in New Zealand and he is now residing in London. We can't wait to hear a little bit more about Tom and, of course, the topic of courage. Hey Tom, welcome to Unplug with Annie. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to talk to you because I love I love what you're doing. I love all your work, and uh, I'm really excited to hear about the journey and share that with the audience. So, tell us a little bit about when 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 did like that creative bug uh, bite essentially? What's your earliest memory of that? Oh, that is a that is a good starting, <laughs> good starting <laughs> question. Um, I, to, to, to be completely honest with you, um, I, I have no memory of when it started because I feel like um, I feel like there are there are there are individuals who can't help themselves then to <laughs> you know then to behave in a certain way you know and and I was I was always someone who um, wanted to even when I was a very little boy, I wanted to direct little, little performances that I'd put on with my big sister or, or um, I'd want to get up and uh, try and do stand up comedy in front of my family, even though I hadn't quite grasped the makings of a, of a joke. You know, I, I, I always, I always wanted to, um, you know, to present and to perform. And, uh, so, you know, for, for, as long, for as long as I can remember, I've been, um, interested in making things yeah i i mean it's it, it, yeah it's interesting even for me i know that uh, like you said it's hard to pick that vivid point where it where it all started because it's just something that just happens organically and one le one thing leads to another and then before you know it you're you know full-fledged trying to become an artist and and do all these crazy things at least people think you're crazy um, is there something particular out of all the creative 
things that you do, um, all the creative outlets, is there one in particular that you enjoy the most now? That I enjoy the most. Do you know what? I have I have such frequent um, I have such frequent love affairs with different um, types of types of expressing yourself. You know, so when I was when I was in school, I, I really thought that I wanted to be an actor. Uh, I was convinced that that was what I should be doing, um, and I was I was going to see as many plays as I possibly could, and um, I was I was auditioning for you know community based acting things like and I thought yeah that you know that's that's I I should I should perform mm. and then you know it later in school um I, I I went through I went through a phase that lasted for about two years of being absolutely obsessed with stand-up comedians I just thought that they were the, the greatest thing ever I thought these are the people in our society who say it how it really is you know um okay they're clever they're witty you know they've they've got the whole stage they've got an audience and they're they're telling people exactly what they think in their way and that's wonderful and I, I was completely convinced then that I didn't want to be an actor that I wanted to be a stand-up comic and then and then uh, around my A-levels time I discovered <laughs> I discovered a rap battle and I, oh, and wow. I, I became <laughs> I became addicted to watching um I, I never actually partook in any because, you know, I, I, I didn't feel like, uh, you know, I, I, I never, to be honest, felt like I had the confidence to do that. But I, I was watching hours upon hours of rap battles on YouTube thinking, wow, these guys are taking each other apart, you know, in a completely non-physical way, which is in incredible. You know, I'm not, <laughs> you can probably tell by looking at me, like I'm not a big fighter. Um, <laughs> So the idea that the idea that you could settle differences and have real, you know, real debate actually mm. um, in the but only using your power of, you know, rhyme and rhythm and and uh, kind of metaphor and wit. I was like, this is this is amazing. So yeah. I was I was stunned by that. And then I got to university, and I started um, dabbling with spoken word poetry. And I, I thought that that was, I thought that, that was pretty interesting. But I had some problems with spoken word poetry. Like I thought that, I thought that very often um, when people are about to hear spoken word poetry, they um, they think that they because it's spoken word poetry, they they're about to hear something that's very deep and melancholic and. Um, you know, often, often really retrospective. And I think it can be that. And I think some people do that very, very well, but I, I didn't want to do that. I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted it to be light, you know, I wanted it to be um, yeah. funny. I wanted it to be uh, uplifting. I, and I, I went to so many spoken word poetry shows where there'd be 10 performers and all 10 of them would be, you know, presenting deeply troubling subject matter or really, yeah. really dark themes and difficult to hear things. And I'm not saying that that's not right. I mean, that's completely right. But I thought, you know, where's someone who's using that art form and saying, ah, look at this, you know, yeah. with a smile on their face. And yeah. so I, I thought that that was missing. And then really, I mean, my my whole life uh, has just been, and, and filmmaking uh, lastly was the thing that, since I left university four years ago, I've just been obsessed with um, playing with cameras and 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 
finding ways to tell stories through film. Mm. Um, and essentially, when we hit lockdown one in March, all I really did was I found myself in a very strange situation where all the other members of my family uh, who work in the NHS, you know, my dad's a, my dad's an epidemiologist, my mum's a midwife, my big sister's a, a paediatrician. And I'm the one who kind of has no normal job, you know, since I, since I've been in the world of work, I've done bar work, um, yeah. worked, I worked in a circus for a bit, um, just like, just like nothing fancy, just moving hay around, I, you know, I've picked oranges in Australia, <laughs> I've, I've delivered papers, I've, I've delivered takeaways, like I've done all these things. Yeah. And then I finally had found myself in an editing job, which was kind of respectable, I guess, in my family's eyes. And then lockdown one snatched that away. <laughs> and that was gone. And I was like, yeah. oh my goodness. So I moved back home and I was living with my little brother and sister. And all the other members of my family were being useful to society. And I was doing nothing. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I hate this feeling. I hate this feeling that because because I'm interested in the arts yeah I've just got to sit and wait now and you know wait for the arts to come back I was like I don't want to wait for anything I want I want to be busy mm -hmm. so um, I tried to take all the things I've ever been interested in you know spoken word poetry filmmaking acting directing stand-up writing I tried to take all of those things and I was like you know let's <laughs> let's yeah. let's experiment let's play around and see what comes out and and then the rest, the rest you know about. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, you certain, certainly did make yourself useful, <laughs> even if it, if it was putting pen to paper. Um, I, I want to mention, obviously, you know, we have to talk about the great realization and how that came to pass and just that it just became such a huge viral sensation. And I think, you know, sometimes it is, it is just, that timing, I think, with creative, you know, having something which really speaks to people at that correct time, and it just kind of hits the nail on the head. And it, it's emotional, it like, you know, creates emotions within you, because it's something which we can't escape from, and the whole world is going through. Um, what was it like? Or what was that moment where you realized, like, oh my goodness, like this is, so something has clicked, something is working, uh, something amazing is happening here. <laughs> um, well, uh, so The Great Realisation was the fourth poem that I released in lockdown. It was the fourth video that I released in lockdown. So all of them had their own little strange sequence of events that led to the next one, if you know what I mean. So the first, <laughs> the first one I released it was just you know I didn't know what I was doing um I'm not to be honest and this is a strange thing to say but I'm not very savvy on social media like I didn't have any social media for me personally you know I had a Facebook account that I never used yeah. I didn't have Instagram I didn't have Twitter I didn't have a YouTube channel you know I watched things on YouTube but but you know what I mean I didn't, yeah. I, didn't I didn't really know how to interact with social media I also didn't know how to film make completely on my own. Like I didn't know how to film myself and sound record myself and light myself and any of these yeah. things. But yeah. The first video was a mess <laughs> really. When I look back at it, I think, wow, that you, you did not know what you were doing. <laughs> but 
I posted it and uh, decided to just, I made it, posted it, decided to see what happens. And it, I think it got uh, about 40,000 views, which blew me away because I thought, you know, I don't know 40,000 people, <laughs> you know, and I thought, wow, instantly I thought this is worth continuing because, yeah. you know, I, if 40,000 people are listening to, you know, the little videos that I'm making, that's something to do in lockdown, you know, and that's worth, that's worth doing. And one of those people who saw the first one was a um, producer for ITV News. And she reached out and said, will you, you know, we've, we've just seen your poem, you know, we, we like kind of what you're doing. Will you write one for ITV News? And so I thought, yeah, okay, that's, you know, that's wonderful. I'd, I'd love to. And so then the second one was, was really for, for that purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was incredibly exciting. You know, all my, I've never been on TV before. All my family, you know, gathered to watch it and they, they played it at the end of the channel. And it was, you know, it was, it was, yeah. it was like a very exciting moment really. And then, and then I thought, wow, okay, let's keep doing this. So for the third one, I got my little brother and sister involved and I made a, like a satirical piece about Donald Trump and yeah. being a naughty schoolboy. And I got my little brother, Kai, who was really keen to be involved mm-hmm. uh, to kind of play the part of this naughty schoolboy, which he just loved. And it was on that third one that I realized how much of a good time I could have making these with my little brother and sister. You know, before that, I'd kind of seen the two things at odds with each other. I thought, okay, I've got to look after my little brother and sister. And then when I'm not looking after my brother and sister, I can make videos. And the third one was when I realized, well, actually, you know, they, they, they don't have to be separate. Just get get them involved. You know, they're 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 as bored as I am. <laughs> so that was exciting. And then, so that that briefly was just one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. And by the time I made those three videos, I started to feel more comfortable with the filmmaking process of how to make these and how to light them and how to how to set up the camera. Um, to film myself and the microphone and all of these things and so by the time I got to the fourth one actually I remember thinking okay you know you've kind of gotten the hang of this a little bit now you can start to think more about what you're saying (laughs) you know what what the message is because for the first three I think I was just experimenting a lot you know and the messages were all messages that I believed you know it was for the NHS it was saying Donald Trump's not ideal. Um, It was saying we live in a very strange time. Like I believed in those messages, but by the time I got to the fourth one, I was like, what do I really want to say? And I spent a little bit of time thinking about it, to be honest, you know, I, um, I looked around and I felt like it was understandably doom and gloom, but I felt like there was nothing else. You know, I felt like you, you couldn't turn on the television without hearing how this was never going to end or how the theatre was never going to come back or yeah. the economy was never going to recover or more people have died in our country than that country or that country or that country. And, and I just thought, wow, <laughs> I thought this can't be good for people. Yeah. It's definitely not good for me. You know, I thought, I thought we need people in moments like this. Yes, we need people to tell us the truth about how bad things are Mm -hmm. 
but we also need people to lift our spirits so that we keep going you know because if we just if we just kind of drown in these messages of negativity and gloom and and fear then how are we gonna recover in any way like it didn't it didn't seem plausible so i thought okay right the challenge here is to find an optimistic message yeah but but not lightly because if if you've just lost someone very close to you or if you've just lost your business to this pandemic or your job or anything and then you know you hear some 20 year old on the internet trying to tell you it's all for the best yeah that that would be incredibly frustrating and really you know I, I could imagine anger being directed in you know anger coming in my direction if I did that so I thought let's actually try and do this properly you know and let's take this seriously and the best uh, thing that I could come up with, and I thought about it for about two weeks, I think, um, was I was speaking to my mum one day and she said the thing that everyone was saying around that time, which is, I can't wait for things to go back to normal. And for some reason, that was the trigger uh, for the poem entirely, um, yeah. her saying that, because I just, I just remembered thinking, why doesn't that sound right? Yeah. And then the more I thought about why it didn't sound right, I was thinking because things weren't perfect before, you know, we still had homelessness, we still had poverty, we were still destroying the planet, we were still spending too much time on our phones, too much time in our offices, we weren't talking to each other, we weren't sleeping enough, we weren't eating well, you know, we weren't exercising, we weren't, you know, we were drinking too much, our leaders were were lying to us constantly. And I was thinking, why on earth would anyone want to return to that? <laughs> you know, just because things have gotten worse now. And so the more I obsessed on that little thought, I thought it's actually a truly optimistic message to say to people, we don't have to wish ourselves back into 2019. We can wish ourselves forward into something that's better than we had before. And that you know, that is a way of inspiring people to not be defeated by how difficult this moment in time is. And so I thought, okay, that's good. And then I was thinking, okay, how do you tell that story when all you have is your little brother and sister and your house? And, you know, I'd been in this new pattern of putting my little brother and sister to bed, you know, every night for the first time in my life with a bedtime story. And my little brother is always saying, you know, can you read me this one or can you read me that one <laughs> you know yeah. all of these things and so I was thinking okay right we're in the future and you know because we're storytellers you can set the rules and I thought it's more hopeful and more optimistic instead of saying I wish things would get better yeah to, to tell your story in a place and time where they did <laughs> you know so I decided we're going to set the story in the world that we want to live in and we're going to be looking back and it's going to be a big brother and a little brother putting him to bed and he's going to ask for the story about the virus mm -hmm. and the story about the virus is going to be basically how the world was the virus came along and everyone woke up and put put the things that were broken right and i thought great you know and i and i put that poem together and um i got it to a place with um 
you know, in terms of the edit and with the music that Katie Phillips uh, did, which was sensational and yeah. got it to a place where for the first time I looked at it when it was completed and I thought, okay, you know, I'm not looking at this as a filmmaker thinking, oh, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. Right. That's poor, that's poor. Like I, I looked at it and I thought, okay, you know, I'm happy with this. Let's let it go and see what happens. And, you know, I, 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 I hit post just like with any other. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. After a couple of days, um, I think after three days, it had gotten to a million views, which was, um, a which was when I realized, okay, wow, okay, this is, this is um, really spreading around. And then, you know, it just started to move exponentially. And I started to get calls from, um, to do, to do interviews on the television and celebrities started liking it and reposting it. And that's when it all got crazy. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's quite a journey, but it definitely, I think it was something which just resonated with so many people and still does, of course, because we're still very much in a pandemic. Um, it's not over, unfortunately. It, it takes a lot of courage for any artist to, you know, put their work out there, to have the guts to, to share it with the world because yeah when you do press that post button you just you don't know what's on the other side of that a lot of the time um in your if it, for you obviously you as an artist you're 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 involved in direction and producing and creating your own work and storytelling essentially as well as spoken word um how do you find that courage or what 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 is the, the the driving factor for you to to put your work out there and just actually let go of what's on the other side because obviously we we, we become very used to rejection and we, we we're aware that not everyone's going to like everything but we do it again and again and again a lot of people think like why do you put yourself through that so what is that mission for you um that's very. That's a very good question. Um, I think. Well, I think that all of us. Um, I think anyone, anyone who's um, in, you know, who's by nature um, inclined to create things, wants to share those things with people. I really, I really believe that. I don't actually. I don't know anyone who creates just for themselves. There probably are people who create just for themselves, but I think, I do think we, we create things because we want to share them with people. And that's different from we want to be famous or we want everyone to like us, or it's not the same thing. I think, I think we want to, to share our creations with other people. And we want to hope that the creation is going to be useful to someone else you know, or if you're an actor, you want your performance to have an emotional resonance with someone else. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's, it's not to say that the motives of people are to gain, you know, global popularity, because it's an unrealistic goal. And even, even if it does happen, you realize that it's, it's not actually, um, it's not a meaningful goal, you know, a meaningful goal is something that fills you with a sense of purpose and makes you feel like you're behaving in a way that you're proud of, you know, and so I, I think 
for me, the, the, the best way I can distill it is a desire to be useful and not self-serving. And that's not to say I'm a, I'm a monk that, that is like this wonderful, you know, um, <laughs> selfless, um, you know, useful person, because I have plenty of moments where I'm incredibly selfish and yeah. self-serving, like, like we all do. And anyone who says they don't is a liar, <laughs> you yeah, know? Um, but the challenge is how, you know, how, how, how much can you tilt the balance so that you're being more useful than self-serving, you know? And effectively, the internet is quite a, it's quite a, an intimidating place because people can, if I perform in a show and someone doesn't like what I have to say, they can engage me in a conversation or, a, or an argument or anything, you know, a debate, whatever. And I can look at them and they can look at me and I can listen to them and they can listen to me and, and we can figure out what the problem was. And I love that. I think that that's really healthy. Mm-hmm. On the internet, if I say something and someone disagrees with me, people can anonymously be incredibly cruel and vindictive and malicious. And that's really intimidating, particularly when you think that, you know, in the example of the live show, maybe it's one person or maybe it's a couple of people, but with the internet, it can be thousands or tens of thousands of people can turn on you, you know, if if they decide they don't like you anymore. And that's that's a terrifying thought, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, rightly so. It's it's like, you know, you're you're laying yourself bare to the you know, to the, to the mercy of, of a faceless mob, you know, and and you have no power as to, as to how the interaction is going to go, you know, and you'll, you'll have no chance of winning if it, if it turns against you. Yeah. And so the best thing, the best thing that I tend to do in uh, this situation is I try as much as possible to, um, make something to the point that I'm happy with it to release it into the world and then to and it's not possible all the time and I'm not saying I manage this all the time but I try as much as possible to ignore whatever happens next honestly and with the great realization it was impossible because I kept having to um, do interviews and speak to people about it but and you know I, I was very lucky and I was very blessed that the the, the response was very kind in that instance but at the same time um I you know I I watched a wonderful interview with Tom York once who's the singer of Radiohead which is one of my favorite bands mm-hmm. and he said uh if I made music that I thought the audience wanted to hear I'd have become irrelevant a long time ago you know he said all I can do is make what I want to make and anyone who wants to come with me is welcome. And anyone who wants to leave at any stage in the journey is welcome. And I remember hearing that and thinking, wow, like if you can get to that level of discipline in your thought process where you're gonna say what you believe and you're gonna make what you wanna make and you're gonna share it. And anyone anyone who's in is in and anyone who's out is out and you know, more power to them. I thought that that's so, that's such a desirable frame of mind because then I realized I don't need everyone to agree with me. 
and I don't need everyone to like me, you know, yeah. and if they do, then that's lovely, but it doesn't matter, <laughs> you know, it really doesn't. Um, so I'm working on that really, and, and I try and limit my time doing things that are purely for the ego, you know, I, I try and, if ever I catch myself just reading comments or or obsessing about how many views a certain video's got, I try and yeah. I try and stop myself from doing that because it, I don't think it's I don't think it's good for my mental health. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And we're in such a culture, aren't we? Which is just you know the the need for that outside validation. I'm I'm really actually glad that I was born in a time where it wasn't it wasn't really prevalent. Yeah, like, I still remember it. I still remember. I mean, I'm not. I was very young, but I you know, I'm glad that I can remember the world before. Yeah. Um, yeah. before we were as connected as we are now yes yes for sure for sure now you you obviously mentioned that you know your family are in the nhs as well obviously we've we've all globally been through a pandemic and that's been really really tough um you know easier for some some people have found it easier some people haven't i know that for me as a creative it's been very up and down and a bit of a roller coaster of emotions but I have tried to use the time to just go back to the drawing board and learn and, and you know, just like you, you've been able to stay creative and come up with some of your best work during this time. Um, is there a particular lesson, though, not necessarily related to what you do as, as your profession, but a, a, a specific lesson for you that you have learned over this period of time and also interacting with, of course, knowing, knowing that your family are also on the front line to some extent? How has that, how has this whole experience been for you? Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I've, you know, I've, I've learned so many things. I mean, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like um, whether it's 2020 or any year, I feel like you learn so many things um, that you're going to desperately need <laughs> to carry with you uh, as you go forward. Um, what you said there about um, the front, the rest of my family being on the front line, I think one of the things that occurred to me, I guess, was in our in our in our society, we've got a lot of people who have a lot of different skills, and in a in a in a in an emergency like this one, or in a crisis, or whatever you want to call it. Um, everyone's skills can be useful and you know we, we 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 have the doctors and nurses who to be completely honest with you I've, I've believed for a very long time have been um the contribution has been devastatingly overlooked um not so much by the general public i i, I really believe that the general public have been grateful for um the nhs for a long time but i i i think that I think that um, governments have overlooked the NHS. And the reason I say that is because I don't see, you know, from the stories I'm told by my mum and the stories I'm told by my dad and big sister, I, I don't see evidence that they are <laughs> supporting it. And I'm not interested in what comes out of politicians' mouths. You know, I'm interested okay. in what actually happens because, you know, it's, it's easy and it's cheap to just, say that you support something and to support something is actually a lot of work and you know things take maintaining and 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 looking after and and 
infrastructure and investing and all, all of these things. But anyway, the thing that occurred to me is when things started uh, to escalate with the pandemic around March time, we all quite rightly started clapping for our key workers. You know, we started clapping for our NHS workers and uh, ambulance staff and care workers and, and teachers and, you know, people who were on the front line and, and quite rightly so. Um, and those people deserved credit for the, you know, the, the self-sacrifice that they were making by putting themselves in harm's way for the good of all. You know, and I was, I was totally in favour with that and I stood outside and I, I applauded and as it went on, something something occurred to me, which was that the only thing I didn't like about that tradition, um, because I believed so much in so much of what that tradition stood for, the only thing that didn't sit right with me is I thought, it almost feels this action of applauding for you, it feels to me like I'm saying, you're going to sort this out you know you're you're gonna fix this and i'm an audience member you know right. it's not my responsibility to fix it i'm i'm passive i'm i'm saying well done you because you're the person that's gonna that's gonna um you know bring about the end of this difficult time and i i started to wrestle with that thought because i didn't like that thought i i the the more i the more i um analyzed the the behavior and the way it made me feel, the more I didn't want to do it anymore because I thought, I actually think that we've got the doctors and the nurses um, and we've got the key workers who have this set of skills which are incredibly useful right now and incredibly important. Mm -hmm. But we've also got, you know, we've also got the actors and the singers and the dancers and the poets and the artists and the, you know, and the filmmakers. And well, I don't want, I don't want all of those people to feel like they're not, they can't be helpful right now. If anything, I actually think we need those people more than ever because we're stuck in our homes. Um, you know, rates of, you know, rates of depression and anxiety and suicide are greater in 2020 than they have been, you know, for the decade previous, or at least that's what I was told recently. I haven't looked it up myself. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, we, we actually need artists right now. And it's just as much an emergency for artists to get creating than ever. And yet artists are made to feel like you should retrain, you know, you should, you should go into cybersecurity. And I was yeah. just thinking, I was thinking that's pathetic and it's actually dangerous. And, you know, the health secretary, you know, gets up in front of the nation and talks about the way that the scientific community and the medical community are working to solve the, or to um, to help people with the physical effects of this virus, but he's completely ignoring how many people are gonna suffer from the mental effects of this virus. And he should be, if, if honestly, I believe that if he was, you know, a man of integrity, he should be calling on the creative people in our society to 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 get out there and to lift not not in public but to lift people's spirits in any way that was possible now and he's not and that that really started to bother me um and so that was that was something that i noticed yeah no i know it's um 
it was it was very disheartening and I think a lot of people were shocked I know that it went all crazy on social media after that post came out because I think people were just heartbroken and um, truly did feel overlooked and at the end of the day there's been so much so many of us who've been able to watch great content on on you know your, your Netflix and your Amazon and, and TV in general and films during this time and catch up on that content because artists have been at work and performers have been yeah. doing all the wonderful things they've been doing so no I can I completely relate to that I think so many people relate to that sort of rage um, and feeling underappreciated for sure speaking of mental health it's, it's such a crucial and important topic I know that I, I, I ask all guests about it is there something that you do personally for yourself on a daily basis, something which is really important to you, which you do for your own peace of mind, um, whether it is something like meditation or not necessarily meditation, maybe just something that, whether it's just go for a walk, but something that you do just for you and, and has been particularly useful during this time. I mean, I feel like I, feel like I don't, um, I feel like there are things that I do because I know that I have to do them. For example, if I if I haven't been outside in more than a day, I know that I have to go outside. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's not it it's not like a routine where, you know, the alarm goes on my phone and I think, oh, it's time to go outside now. I just you just know, okay, you know, I can't stare at my computer screen, um, you know, and not see fresh you know not not have some fresh air for more than a day or or I start to um or I start to become quite insular and quite uh quite uh grouchy and and it's 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 not it's not good um my mum's a yoga teacher and oh, wow. yeah well she's she's a midwife and a yoga teacher and she kind of does this hybrid thing where she um teaches yoga to pregnant women and then at the end of their pregnancy delivers their babies so wow. yeah she's kind of a my mum's a bit of a hippie um in a very nice way <laughs> um you know she's got like hair down past her bum like you know she's wow she's really she's she's a she's a fun lady um but she's been practicing she she's been teaching yoga and mindfulness for um for about 10 years now or eight eight to ten years and so I have a lot of conversations with her about about those things and I um I started practicing yoga myself uh, about a year and a half ago and enjoy it thoroughly <laughs> like wow. it, it, it it you know it's it's just a it's a nice um thing to do where you try and connect your your body and your breath and you try and you know create some stillness in your mind like it's I, I yeah. you know I know not all things are all things to everyone but I would highly encourage people who are feeling uh like they have no sense of calm I would encourage them to try you know to try just some really gentle yoga like it's not about it's not about being able to stand on your head like that's not the that's not yeah. the point you know yeah. you don't you don't have to you know a lot of a lot of people say well, I'm not flexible and it's like me neither like you don't have to be flexible like you'll get yeah. flexible over time but that's that's not the point <laughs> just try and try and take an hour of your day to focus on your breathing and to 
you know, and I, 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 I don't meditate, but I, I gather that meditation is a very similar, mm-hmm. very similar idea. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting how everything kind of gets a little bit glamorized, isn't it? And the focus goes off what the what the initial, uh, you know, purpose of it was, essentially. I know yoga is something that I've been, I kind of dabbled in a little bit, but I wanted to consistently do and it's not happening because I'm, I'm really into my fitness, but it's all sort of really fast paced and yeah. yoga would require me to just sit in one, like stay in one spot for, a, for an ample amount of time. So I, I need to I need to make time for that for sure. I've heard that it's it's got wonderful benefits all over. Um, just just as we end as we end the interview, uh, last couple of questions I would want to ask you is your I know that you're interested in filmmaking as well. Is there something on the on the agenda, something in the pipeline that you're working on um, that we can look forward to? It's a few things now, um, but I must be. I must be cautious. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The exciting things. I mean, there's a there's a big film um, that is the first uh, film that I produced, which was just finished before all of this happened with the Great Realization, which has just is currently going around film festivals. Um, It just won best director and best lead actress in the Moscow Film Festival um, in October, which was amazing. And so I hope that that will find its way to distribution um, Mm -hmm. soon. You know, I'm the producer, so it's my job to make sure it does. Um, Then there's a big, then there's a film project that's close to my heart, which um, is the big project really for this year for me, um, which uh, I can't say anything about, but 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 more will more will be trickling through uh, in 2021, um, Great. which I'm looking forward to. And then then I'm trying to keep up with the with the tomfoolery content. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Well, it was it was so great to talk to you and hear a little bit more about everything that you're up to. If, Thanks for if, having me. No, of course, of course. And my my last question would just be that if you were to sum up your your life's mission, how you'd like to be remembered, um, even though you're, of course, super young, and I'm sure, you know, you're going to be around for a really long time, but nonetheless, so. <laughs> nonetheless, what, what is what is that mission, if someone was to ask you, what what is that mission, whether it's the kind of story that you, you want to be known for? I think the, um, the best, <laughs> the best way to leave this you know this 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 world <laughs> would be with the thought that because you existed things are better than they could have been or you know better than they would have been you know and if you know if you if you if you come to the end and because you existed things weren't as bad as they could have been you know or you you improved something you contributed you know then i can imagine that that's a peaceful thought um yeah and the the reverse of that is you know if you uh if you end your 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 time and and you you actively made things worse then i can imagine that that's not a peaceful thought (laughs) so um yeah so you know 
my hope is to leave things in a better state than than I found them and that's yeah. it yeah yeah and 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 you, yeah you're definitely already leaving an impact so I'm pretty sure you have nothing to worry about <laughs> well, um, <laughs> you've, got keep, you've got to keep it up that's half the battle <laughs> that, that's true that is true for all of us well it was so brilliant talking to you Tom uh, thank you so much and wishing you all the best for everything that you're working on looking forward to hearing all the news for, for this year and and way ahead as well and and wishing you the best with everything well thank you for having me on your podcast it was a pleasure to talk to you And that was the end of another episode on Unplug with Annie. To stay updated with everything Unplug, go to the website www.unplugwithannie.com for links to all the episodes on Anchor, iTunes and Spotify, as well as other platforms. You can also stay updated via the IG and Facebook page Unplug with Annie.